Thanks, thanks. Uh, I need you guys to train 10:30 and nine. You know that that was great. Good afternoon. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming, and uh, man, we're excited about all that God is doing in cross at Crosswalk here and elsewhere. And uh, as we go through this series, our hope is that uh, it will be a blessing as we continue our journey towards uh, reconstruction, right? This is week two of a uh, season two uh, of Elemental. And if you might, if you've been journeying with us for a while, right, you might, this might be your first time you're jumping in, glad you're here. But if you've been journeying with us for a while, in season one, we talked about deconstruction, right, about facing our faith, about determining which walls are obstacles and need to be removed, you know, that we've encountered these things that have blocked our way in our journey of faith. And then we've also talked a bit about which are foundational, right, which are, to use a construction metaphor, which are load-bearing. What things are so important to our faith that they're unmovable? And so in season two, we are walking through the rubble of this deconstruction that we experienced during the first season, sifting out what's most elemental, what are going to be the building blocks of our faith, the pieces that will form our foundation, that will erect the walls, that will construct our belief. Now, again, if you're early in this journey with us or your first time, you might be asking why. Why are we taking the time to talk through this? Uh, for the past uh, several years, what we've noticed is that many people who have been raised in the church have been rethinking previously unquestioned beliefs and re-asking certain questions. Who is God? You know, what is the Bible and how is that inspired? And what is church and what does that mean for my life? Or even theological questions like, is there a hell you know, is there really a place that you burn forever? Is that eternal? Or how, what does that say about God? Or what happens when you die uh, in the mystery of that? And what about all the suffering in the world? There's a lot of questions that uh, we, we struggle with sometimes in our journey with God. And really, uh, these questions say a lot about who God is. The answer to these questions, I should say, say a lot about who God is. What is the character of God? Uh, and then there's the end time hype that we hear every so often because if you've lived long enough, you've experienced a consistent and I would say embarrassing string of failed prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus. So what do you do with that? What's the result oftentimes of that? And it is, it enters, we tends to push us into, into a process of deconstruction, of rethinking kind of what is elemental to our faith and leaves us questioning oftentimes to the point where some have left faith altogether, whether it's because of certain beliefs that don't, they don't resonate with or no longer make sense. Maybe it's because of criticism that uh, an, the individual has received or maybe they're discouraged by hypocrisy. Maybe it's legalistic teaching, right? The idea that, that hey, it's either black or white and we live in a gray world. So you know, what do we do with that? And oftentimes the answers from the church paint an unattractive picture of God and of faith. And uh, what happens oftentimes in the church is that this faith deconstruction is ignored. And so we're wanting to tackle it head on. 
Not only the deconstruction and what causes that as we did in elemental season one, but how do we reconstruct our faith in a way that's healthy, in a way that's positive, in a way that will bless us as we move forward, and even in the midst of encountering challenges that we inevitably will face in this world. See, the reality for many is that the Christian faith that they grew up hearing or listening or living is no longer credible to them. And so they're rethinking the whole thing. Now, some of you may find yourselves in this process of deconstruction and reconstruction. Some of you may be thinking, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, I've never encountered that. It's pretty simple for me. And, and that's great. Uh, but there may be a time in which you're confronted with some things that may question, cause you to question your faith. And so we want to take uh, some time to talk through this series about what that reconstruction should look like. Last week, Pastor Tim began this series by talking about how is it that we move from deconstruction to now reconstruction, to determining what's elemental again, what's foundational, and more importantly, maybe what needs to be built or rebuilt that hasn't been there before, and then what does that process of rebuilding or establishing kind of a new faith journey look like? Uh, you might remember that in, in week one, uh, excuse me, in season one and week two, I used the illustration that the deconstruction process is like remodeling a house, right? When you're remodeling a house, um, there are some things, some parts of it, especially the foundation, that are left intact. Other parts, yes, they get removed, they get uh, changed, uh, reassessed, and the goal is to make a better house, right? A stronger house. But the foundation, the foundation is critically important. And in some cases, some of you who do construction or are contractors may understand this, that sometimes that deconstruction is so extensive that no one can live in the house. Uh, they have to leave. And maybe you find yourself in that journey or have found yourself in that or know somebody who's experiencing that the deconstruction is so great, the, 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 the dirt, the, you know, the clouds of, of dust, the, you know, the noise has kind of driven you out of the house and you're wondering what's next. But if you, if, if you follow this metaphor to its conclusion, you realize that deconstruction enables Reconstruction. It enables the strengthening of the foundational aspects of our faith that would not happen without deconstruction. So uh, the way that uh, I, I like to suggest we think about it is that it's easier to understand sometimes when we go through this process of deconstruction that we can emerge stronger. We can go through times of discarding and clarifying things that maybe we weren't so sure about. Uh, and certain beliefs that, you know, maybe we're not so foundational. And the result is often strengthening our Christian commitment when we come out on the other side of it. So today, I want to suggest that this process of deconstruction and reconstruction happens multiple times in our lives. That's uh, probably not something you wanted to hear. Uh, but I've experienced it and I've seen that as I've journeyed with others uh, in ministry. The process happens multiple times in our lives. And you may be asking, why? What do you mean that this, this journey in which I'm questioning maybe what is foundational to my faith journey may happen more than once? And I would say, yeah, because we have certain limitation, limitations in our lives. One is just our chronological age. 
right? I mean, when we're young, our maturity levels may be not as high, you know, maybe not as high as it will be when we're teenagers or young adults and when we're adults. And so we understand things differently when we're young versus when we're more mature. And it's the same thing when it comes to our spiritual journey. And a spiritual journey, the idea is that as we age spiritually, that we'll grow more mature. It's not always the case, right? I've known people, and maybe you have too, that have been in the church and been on a spiritual journey for 30 years. And they'll let you know, I've been on a journey for 30 years. The problem is it's one year, 30 times, right? It's like it's the same thing. And then they wonder why it is that they don't grow, they don't understand, and so uh, the way to maybe uh, help set the stage for the process of reconstruction is understanding that there are some limitations and one is chronological, right? In my childhood, I grew up in the church and I never questioned, you know, I was a kid. I never questioned my faith. Now, I didn't fully understand it either, right? Because I wasn't able to capture some of the thoughts that uh, would explain some of the questions that come our way as we get older. When I was a child, I thought like a child. Uh, teenage years came and things changed. Right? Questions began to enter into my mind about my own existence and about the existence of God. Questions like, how do we know if the Bible is true? How do I know if I'm saved? And a big one in my family, do dogs go to heaven? You know, I mean, this was big for, for us in our family. Questions that kind of led to this, what happens next? And then I got to my young adult years and I was confronted with the incongruity of the lack of love and acceptance and kindness by the church. And the screams that I would get from some of the leaders in the church, get a haircut, get a haircut. Now, you may find this hard to believe now, but that was a big deal. Uh, I had hair down to my shoulders and uh, I still have phantom pain and, uh, you know, still, yeah, yeah, thank you, Leanne. And, uh, you know, I still sometimes reach for my comb, but it's not there. Uh, so, you know, but it was a big deal in the church, getting a haircut. If you had long hair, at least in my era of teenage and young adult year, you know, that was a major deal for some. And I was treated kind of roughly during that, there was a lack of evidence in the church of God's love when it came to hair, right? And some of you have experienced that. It may not be the haircut thing, it may be something else. That was a big deal and that became an obstacle because of the criticism that you received. Maybe it became painful because of the comments that you heard or were directed at you. And for me, it led me to deconstruct my faith. And to begin to really think about, is that really essential? I mean, is that such a big deal? Um, and, and how do I reconstruct the important and elemental facets of who I choose to be in my faith journey? What is the greatest truth? You know, this is a question that was asked of Jesus by his closest followers uh, when he was on this earth. And his answer was, I am the way, I am truth, and I am life. Now, on its own, it seems kind of an ethereal statement by Jesus. You know, just follow me, I'm the way, I'm the truth. But when we understand the context, we see that this actually fits into this conversation of reconstruction. The context is in the chapter before, John chapter 13, Jesus is 
again, been in relationship with his community for three, three and a half years. And now they've been expecting kind of his kingdom to come to fruition, that he would be, be crowned king in Jerusalem, that they would overthrow the Romans, that, you know, the Jews would be free of bondage and slavery. And Jesus now in a conversation says something that is not what they expected would happen in their faith community. He says, hey, I'm going to die. He predicts his death. And they simply do not understand what's happened here. Wait a second. They're on this faith journey thinking this is the outcome. It's all going to be good. They're going to have everything. You know, they're going to have all the riches. They're going to have all the the control and power and authority because Jesus is going to overthrow this government and establish their own. And now Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm dying. And Peter is the first one to jump out, the apostle, because that's his way, and ask a bunch of questions. And he is clearly confused. He does not understand. This is a whole new thought. And his faith is plummeting in these questions make it clear. And he finally asks in John 13, 37, he says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? Translation, Jesus has just said, I'm dying. He's trying to figure out what his faith looks like. And he says, why can't I follow you? And Jesus said, you know, I'm not going. And, and Peter doesn't understand What's going on here? And this was just one of the many questions. You can read the rest of them there in John chapter 13 that the disciples, the followers, were asking not only Jesus, but asking themselves, murmuring, whispering these questions that caused them to doubt their faith and their faith journey. And they're bewildered, they're discouraged. And so now we get to chapter 14. Uh, Jesus sees all this happening among his believers and Jesus now says something that most of you will recognize because it's uh, a section of scripture that's pretty well known. John 14 verses 1 to 3. Jesus says to his faith community that he's been journeying with, don't, don't be troubled. You know, don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, I know you're confused. I know you're bewildered. Yeah, I'm going, but I'll be back. And let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to kind of prepare a place so that you can be where I am. And the disciples, his followers, are looking at him like, what? Uh, And we know that, that they don't get it, that they're still confused. Because right after that, a couple verses later, the disciple Thomas speaks up. And he says, "Uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know the way? How do we know how to get there in our faith journey? How do we know how to arrive to where you are? Uh, which is obviously the journey of all Christ followers. We want to go to where God is. That's the intent of our faith journey. And it is in that context that Jesus says, okay, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the key to that verse is often missed. The key is his I am statement which he makes in several places. I am the way and the truth and the life. And by saying that, Jesus is claiming I am is is the claim that he is the true God. And in the reconstructive process that we are exploring in this series, the foundational stone is choosing to believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. That Jesus is God. You have to take that jump. That uh, make that statement, uh, accept that as a foundational stone. I am going to accept Jesus is who he claims to be because everything else is built on this weight-bearing wall. It starts with Jesus.
He's the foundation. But in the church, and I'm talking church at large, uh, this is often obscured by other things. Other things block us from seeing that this is foundational, whether it's haircuts or something else, can blind us from seeing what's foundational. Have you ever seen an eclipse? You know what I'm talking about, an eclipse? It's an astronomical event that occurs when an object is temporarily obscured by passing into the shadow of another object, right? Uh, well, deconstruction is a bit like a spiritual eclipse. Uh, and it occurs uh, in a way that sometimes we don't see. Uh, it blocks sometimes, and casts a shadow sometimes on our faith. In a solar eclipse, the sun is obscured. We can't see it. And in that moment, you find yourself, particularly on a spiritual eclipse, in the dark. You find yourself that you're blind. And in the dark, and maybe you've discovered this already, if you, this has been part of your journey, in the dark, you question everything. Nothing makes sense. Because you can't see, you can't feel. Your senses don't seem to respond. In the dark, you are confused. Sometimes if you're in really pitch dark, you can't tell. I don't know if you've ever woken up in a dark room with no windows and pitch. You don't know which way's up or down. In the dark, you feel alone. So what do you do during a spiritual eclipse? What do you do when it comes to your faith and questioning your faith? And maybe the better question is, can you question your faith while keeping it? The answer that I would give is yes. But here's the thing. When it comes to questioning your faith, anytime that you walk away from something, it's important to realize that we're walking towards something else. Whenever you leave something, you're going towards something else. If you're filling your mind with one thing and you change, you're going to need to fill it with something else. And you may be walking away from God or from faith for a good reason, but maybe, just maybe, the focus should be on what is it that you're walking towards? What is it that's pulling you in this process of reconstruction? What belief system is filling the gap? Because your belief system determines your actions, right? Wrong belief, that's eventually going to lead to wrong action. Right belief, right foundation. And foundation is everything. Just ask anyone who's building or constructing anything. So today I want to make sure that I say this clearly. At the core, at the core of reconstructing your faith is this elemental truth. And it's very elemental. God is love. God is love. Now where did this idea come from? Because if you share this with other people, they'll look at you like saying, what are you, what? What? Where'd that come from? God is love. And the short answer for those of us who pursue God is Jesus. Jesus said, watch me and you will see who God is. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And God is love. So here's what that says to us today. At the heart of reconstruction is relationship. Relationship with God because he is love and always open to relationship with us. And the second part of that is loving others. The way we like to say it here at Crosswalk is to love well. So let me put it this way. This may help to kind of quantify this. Uh, the quality of any relationship is based on our pursuit. 
of that relationship, right? The quality of our relationship is based on the pursuit which communicates desire of one another rather than just knowing facts about somebody else. Uh, let, me, let me put it this way. Relationship is more important than knowledge. But oftentimes in the church, it's knowledge that's more important than relationship. But we know if we've experienced relationships with other people that relationships are key. And this is especially true in our relationship with God and with others. There's no relationship without attention. There's no relationship without pursuit. And the quality of that relationship is determined by that pursuit, right? By the effort that you put into that relationship. It's action, another way to put it, action over words, right? Action over our words. So when we say pursue and pursuing God pursues a verb, it implies action, right? So the power, the value in the reconstruction process is in the pursuit of God. Because we can say we love God all that we want, but if there's no action, then do we? Let me even bring it closer to home, right? I can tell my wife, we can tell our spouses, right, that we love them. Or that significant other, if you're in a, in a relationship, you can tell them, hey, I love you. But if there's no action, at some point, right, they're going to say, uh, I don't know. Do you? Right? You can say it all you want, but if there's no action, at some point, somebody's light bulb is going to come on and say, I'm not sure that you actually do. In fact, actually you don't. Because there's no evidence that there's love. See, that's what this is all about. The power and value when it comes to our reconstructive process is in the pursuit of God. Secondly, uh, we also have to acknowledge our blindness, our inability to see, the fact that sometimes we're in darkness, sometimes that we have blind spots and we can't see. We have to acknowledge sometimes uh, in this process, and not sometimes, all the time, every time in this process, we have to acknowledge that we have blind spots, that we are blind sometimes, that sometimes, if we want to use the eclipse again illustration, something or someone is blocking the light. In Mark chapter 8, there's this great story about a group of people that bring a blind man to Jesus to be healed. It says in verse 22, when they arrived in Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch the man and heal him. A couple things I want to point out here. One is he has a condition that he cannot change. And I want to suggest if we use this as a spiritual comparison or metaphor that it's the same with us. We have a condition that we cannot change. Sometimes we're going to find ourselves blinded. We won't be able to see. We will feel like we're in the dark when it comes to our journey with God, our faith journey. And we're unable to see whether we acknowledge it or not. He and we find ourselves sometimes with a condition that we cannot change. Secondly, he's brought to Jesus by some people, it says there. He's brought to people by some people. And uh, the assumption is that they're a group of people that care about him. The man has a community that he is surrounded by. That's the best thing he has done. He has not walked away and tried to journey on his own. He has continued to journey with that community, no matter how difficult it is for someone who can't see. 
And this group of people care enough about him that they bring him to Jesus and, and they presumably believe that Jesus has the power to help. That's why they bring him. They're, they're expecting Jesus to help him and they say, touch him. You know, they beg Jesus to touch him. Now, interestingly enough, that uh, we know, if we read the rest of scripture, that uh, Jesus doesn't need to touch somebody to, you know, to heal them. Um, he can just say the word. But he says here, it says that they begged him to touch him. And the reality is we know, all of us know people who need to be touched by Jesus. Some, we like to lay hands on ourselves, right? Because they're just difficult to deal with. Um, and this is what's happening here. And we see this in the next part of the verse. See, we assume that this blind man desperately wants to be healed. But maybe not. We assume, hey, he's blind. He's happy. He wants to be healed. But he hasn't sought Jesus out. He's been brought there by others. And we all may know people who seem to live life clearly blind and do not want to change, right? They stumble, they fall, they bruise themselves and they bruise others around them and they yet seem to be content to live life handicapped. And this man's friends have had enough and they bring him to Jesus in hopes that he will be healed. Understanding that reconstruction starts with Jesus. Now what does Jesus do? It's interesting to me. The Bible says that Jesus led the blind man out of the city. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> Remember, he's blind. Let's go. Now, I don't know if you thought about this, but have you ever been blindfolded and led somewhere by someone? It's a bit uncomfortable, right? Hands over the eyes, blindfold, surprise, you know, party, or whatever it may be. You're walking. It requires trust. You have to be willing to trust the person who's leading you. Uh, it requires you to relinquish control. And this is what happens. The man is willing now to be led by Jesus for quite a long ways because it says that they left the city. And once they arrive wherever Jesus is taking them, something else kind of strange happens. Jesus spits in his eyes. Yeah, I said that. Spits. The Greek word is the word ptosis. I mean, it's a spitting word. Ptosis. Right? And that's what Jesus does. He literally spits in the man's face. Come on. Is this really necessary? <laughs> I mean, come on. What, what's going on here? Now, we'll notice something here in the rest of this story that doesn't happen in the other five instances in the Bible where Jesus heals a blind person. There's six instances this one's unique. Uh, he spits in his face and then Jesus uh, uh, rubs his eyes, right? And asks now, hey, can you see anything? Can you see anything? And the man's answer is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, I see trees walking. I see trees walking. In other words, I see men, but they appear as trees walking. In other words, I can't, I can see now something, there's light coming, but I don't see or understand fully. I can't see clearly. Remember, this guy is blind. He can't get to where he wants to go without help. But 
He's been brought by a community of believers. He has trusted Jesus enough to let Jesus lead him in the darkness uh, out of the city. He has been mistreated, some would say, by Jesus. Spit in his face. So good things haven't happened to him necessarily throughout the journey. And then when he's supposed to receive full understanding, full sight, full healing, it's not complete. Sometimes, sometimes, you're going to feel stuck between blindness and sight. Sometimes, you're going to be stuck between belief and unbelief. During those times, seek him until your vision clears. Seek him until your vision clears. This is what the blind man did. Uh, Jesus has taken him through this process. He has not been able to see it or understand it fully in this process. He has allowed the process to unfold. The friends have brought him there. He has walked with Jesus. He has dealt with things that were surprising, this spit in his face. He's not sure where that's coming from. Can that actually come from Jesus or is it something else? He doesn't know why. He doesn't fully understand. And now his healing is even incomplete. He doesn't have a full picture Everything's blurry. And I would say that the man understands in a moment what we need to understand. And that is that you just got to sometimes hang on. Hang on. And that's what the blind man did. Jesus touches him then a second time. And it's that second time. And it's the only time in scripture where this happens. Because Jesus is trying to point, uh, prove a point. And that is that the journey isn't always going to be clear. The journey isn't always going to be obvious. We're not always going to be able to see exactly what the next step is or why that's coming or what's coming. Our eyes are going to be shut. We're going to be able to, we're not going to be able to see and we're going to be blind. We're going to be in the dark. It's going to be confusing. But in that process, we have a, a choice. We can hang on to Jesus and be led by him even in the darkness, even through difficult things, even when we understand some things. We have partial healing but can't see everything. But if you hang on long enough, if you seek him until your vision clears, then that time you're going to be able to see everything clearly. Sometimes it takes time to fully see. And it's during this process that we do not need to throw out the deconstruction baby with the deconversion bathwater. We need to hang on and understand that it's a process, that we're on a journey to maturity with Christ, that there are going to be moments in which we're going to deconstruct because we don't understand. It makes no sense. And then if we hang on and enter into the process of reconstruction, that journey is not going to be that easy either. But if we hang on uh, to Jesus, we're going to be able to see. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line is Jesus has to be the cornerstone of whatever faith you're building. You got to get this right. And if we do... The house that we're building, the holy temple that Pastor Tim talked about last week that we are becoming, that God wants to dwell in, uh, whatever that you are choosing to build your faith on, that faith will be sound, that, that faith will be solid, that, that faith will be true. Christ is our firm foundation. 
It is on Christ that we build our lives on, that we build our beliefs on, that we build our worldviews on. And this sets us up for living the kind of life that God wants us to live in a world that's extremely confusing and complex. The bottom line is we have to accept Jesus is who he says he is. He is the God that we follow. He is the foundation on which we build our lives on. In the meantime, even though we can't clearly see, we may feel completely blinded, we may see partially, we may not fully understand. In the meantime, seek him until your vision clears. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you are patient with us, that you love us, that you journey with us, that you lead us if we allow you. We're just so thankful for your patience and for your love as we construct and reconstruct and deconstruct our faith. Lord, be with us. May we choose to hang on no matter what. Bless us in this effort, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us as we worship one more time.